Welcome to the National Democratic Institute's Changing the Face of Politics podcast series. In these candid conversations recorded from home, politically active women from around the globe interview each other about the male-dominated world of politics. They're the best examples of why we need to move faster to reach political parity between men and women before the middle of the next century and change the face of politics. In this inspiring conversation, Shei Akiwowo interviews Ambassador B. Kim Shao, representative of the Taipei Economic and Cultural Representative Office, about gender equality and democracy in Taiwan and the importance of representation. Hello, welcome to this episode of the Changing the Face of Politics podcast series. My name is Shei Akiwowo and I am the founder and executive director of Glitch, a small charity dedicated to ending online abuse and champion digital citizenship in the UK. My amazing guest today is Ambassador B. Kim Chow, who is the representative of the Taipei Economic and Cultural Representative Office. This year, we celebrate the 25th anniversary of Beijing Conference and Platform for Action. Ambassador, what do you think has changed for women in political leadership and decision-making in the last 25 years? And what has stubbornly stayed the same? Well, um, you know, statistics show that we have made some progress around the world. There have been increasing number of women in elected representative offices uh, in many countries around the world. Um, we have made inroads. Uh, we see women actually reaching uh, 50% in a few countries and over 40% in many others. But of course, uh, there's more work to be done and I don't think we'll see true equality unless we have at least uh, 50% women in terms of representation. We also have a number of um, outstanding women in top leadership positions as heads of state. And we have witnessed uh, their character, their leadership throughout the pandemic crisis and um, there have been many analyses on the um, character of women leadership in terms of um, the different aspects of leading their countries through the pandemic crisis. And, and I think that is worth noting. Um, however, um, there remains problems. Uh, we see uh, political crises around the world involving uh, refugees, involving conflicts, um, involving um, areas that are in your specialty corner, um, online uh, bullying, online abuse, uh, that uh, even though are not gender specific issues, but very often uh, the victims uh, tend to be women um, more frequently than men. And uh, I think we do need to pay attention to the uh, changing environment for political discourse, uh, including the um, transition into um, digital space, cyberspace, and what that also means for gender equality. Yeah, thank you so much. Um, can I ask a, a personal question? What motivated yes. you to get politically active? Was there a personal connection to an issue, a political party, your family? Well, um, I think multiple experience in life actually led me to politics. Um, it, it, my interest in politics started while I was in college. I studied in the United States and um, prior to attending college, I had intended to, to study other fields like uh, science and even math. 
Um, however, on my campus, um, there were a lot of discussions about general social justice issues, um, not only uh, domestically in the United States, but around the world. Um, gender issues, race, class, um, global politics, um, all of these drew my interest. And I started to uh, get involved in the fact that uh, Taiwan uh, as a country requires greater international participation and the unfairness of excluding Taiwan um, from the global um, fora for uh, international discourse on dealing with these issues. And um, that kind of drew my interest into being involved in Taiwan's international space. And so, so you know, after leaving school, I immediately got involved in um, a political party that had offices in Washington, D.C. But, um, you know, really going back to Taiwan to get involved directly into a political process and electoral politics um, was actually an incident uh, where we were having our first ever presidential election. Wow. And, um, the Chinese, the PRC, decided to threaten us uh, for having those elections by test firing missiles uh, towards Taiwan. And I felt that was just totally unacceptable. I mean, we mm -hmm. were celebrating a process of democratization and we had fought very hard to bring about those basic rights of electing our own political leadership after 37 years of martial law. Um, it was a wow. time to celebrate, but we were being threatened and in the meantime, I was in the United States. I felt I should go back to Taiwan and be part of that change uh, to stand with my uh, colleagues uh, in the democracy movement. And so I, I returned. I started getting directly involved in the political process. And in 2001, I decided to run for office myself. Wow. That's so brave. How did you keep, how did you? Um, combat the fears or the anxieties around that? Well, the fact was that, you know, all of Taiwan was being threatened. And, um, you know, it, it has been a long process, actually. And, and, it, and it's an issue for many democracies. You know, the democracy mm. doesn't just fall from the sky. Freedom is not free. You know, you have mm. to fight for your freedoms. You have to fight for um, a democratic process in which uh, people feel empowered, in which sovereignty belongs to the people. Um, and it, it, it was not easy to arrive at where we were in 96. Of course, in my generation, we had the privilege of um, coming of age uh, after the martial law, but we understood well that many of our predecessors had to sacrifice their freedom. Some of them were exiled or imprisoned uh, in this fight. And so I, I, I think, you know, I wasn't particularly courageous because, you know, I was among many people who had the same commitment. And the fact that we were in it together, I, I think, um, was quite empowering and made, made the cause uh, feel um, uh, that we were making progress, um, that that there was solidarity in the process. So, but, you know, that the hard thing about it is, you know, we had our first ever election in 96. We've had several elections. We've seen the first democratic change in government in my country. 
Um, but still we are facing uh, external threats of uh, military attacks in, in each democratic process and in each step we try to take in terms of international representation. Wow. And and did you, when you stood for election in, mm-hmm. uh, as you said, 2004? Yes. Can you, uh, would 2001, you mind? Yes. 2001, <laughs> wow. Could you tell mm-hmm. me about how that was Well, um, well, for me, that was my first election, and I was relatively young at the time. Um, And prior to that, actually, in the academia, I had studied, I had taken, you know, women's studies courses, I had Mm -hmm. taken, you know, uh, been involved in uh, various campus activities, um, concerned about social justice, but actually being you know, there in in politics myself, you you feel that all the theories that you study um, are nothing in comparison to the hardships that you actually face in politics. All the stereotypes on on women, all the prejudices, and and of course, I think so, Taiwan society has changed a lot now. Twenty years later, after my first attempt in an election, but at the time. Um, you know, I had to confront stereotypes that, you know, I, I was in, involved in politics uh, because of a certain um, um, uh, uh, gender relations or, mm. you know, I was even falsely accused of having a affair, you know, no. it, it, the assumption that women are in certain positions because mm. of um, certain sexual connections. I think that mm. was a horrible accusation. And I've actually felt so angry that I wanted to fight it and um, <laughs> stand for myself. But it, it was not easy as a young woman. And, um, you know, the press, the media, they tend to be more interested in how, you know, how you dress. They never ask a man, you know, what type of suit they wear or the color yeah. of their suit. But they pay attention uh, to uh, these aspects of women politicians or, you know, their family relations and all of that. And and you have to work twice as hard as men to be taken seriously. So, mm-hmm. you know, I, I had to take my job very seriously. And you know, actually, in the beginning, I wore black to work every day because <laughs> I felt it was so much more formidable. And um, there would be less discussion about how I looked or what I wore and more discussion about what was in my mind and what I advocated and the legislation that I brought to the floor. So I, I did have to overcome a lot of uh, stigma that is traditionally attached to um, women in politics. And mm. um, a- another reality is in Asia, many women um, in politics initially come from families or other, you know, a, a father, a brother, someone else in the, or hus- husband in the family who is a politician, and the woman inherits that legacy. Um, and very often the women actually do better than their other male family members. But um, uh, in, in Taiwan, what we had to deal with was, of, of course, we were our, you know, uh, involved in politics independently of any um, family involvement, and and we have many women uh, in this position. And to break break through those traditional expectations um, of the role of of women in the family, of the role of women um, out being public, being outspoken, uh, being confrontational sometimes when we disagree on political issues, 
um, there was a, a lot to overcome uh, in the initial stages, but fortunately um, for many of us, we've come a long way. And I'm so proud to say that in 2000, we elected the first woman vice president. Yes. None of them came from political families. Uh, they're elected and their personal um, involvement in or their struggle for gender equality and political justice um, was very much an independent initiative. And, and I think we are all very proud of that. That's amazing. And, and you're absolutely right that we need to look at um, women, women's progression in politics through an intersectional lens to make sure we're understanding representation of different caste systems and, um, mm -hmm. as, and, and sex, as well as um, class as well here in the UK. Class is a ma massive factor and we kind of have political dynasties here in the UK. So I think, yeah, it's really important that mm -hmm. when we look at progression of women in politics, that we have a, a bit of a forensic lens on that. Absolutely. And yeah, your story of how resilient you are and strong. I can see why the NDI team paired us together because um, <laughs> I, I think we've got a very similar story. I started mm -hmm. um, my political leadership career um at a young age was elected at 23 um and had to fight lots of like the stereotyping you said and like yes. channel the anger of the the rudeness and the stereotyping into wanting change and being really focused as you said I think be, being focused on the vision of democracy and and better international relations I think is 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 one um advice I try and give young people around staying focused and having that vision because there's going to be a lot of turbulence and 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 um uh, backlash um yes. uh but when we talk about um gender equality and representation mm -hmm. in politics let's take a step back and have a conversation on why do you think it is important that we have more women engaged um and where do we think that their their particular engagement leads to what is the impact do you have any examples that you've seen in your country? Well, um, I, I think the reality is that no democracy is complete without the representation of half the population. And uh, women in all levels of leadership is absolutely important. Um, also, statistics show that um, countries with a greater degree of gender equality are actually, um, society is more progressive, um, the economy is more prosperous also with uh, more women involved in the workforce and in leadership positions in the private sector as well. So um, I, I think, you know, the statistics as well as, you know, the moral agenda of greater justice um, all lead to the, the call that we do continue to need greater gender equality in political leadership. Uh, yeah, absolutely. I completely agree with you. Just on the lens of democracy and and and, and how it works and its key principles. If you don't have fifty percent of the population there, then it's not really democratic. Um, in the UK, I've definitely seen that when more women and girls are engaged in politics, there mm -hmm. are the, the policies are just better. They're more inclusive. They're 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 thinking of, and championing more lived experience. Mm -hmm. Do you have any examples where you've seen the impact of women and girls engaging in democracy? Well, um, you know, I raised the current condition and the crisis of the pandemic in the beginning, and the fact that many um, women leaders 
uh, have done relatively well in fighting the pandemic. Um, I think it is because women um, do tend to be inclusive and able to multitask um, on uh, in during challenging situations. And so um, I, I do think having women in those top leadership positions and including uh, different sectors of society in a project that does require uh, different dimensions and inclusivity, um, having that leadership and representation is absolutely important. Completely, completely agree. Yes. Um, I've definitely noticed that again here in the UK, we've not seen as many women that look like me or women um, more mm -hmm. broadly talk, making decisions around uh, uh, the COVID and lockdown mm -hmm. and, and building back. And so we had discrepancies here in the UK with barbershops being allowed to be open, but not hairdressers and beauty salons. Mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. And so, yeah, it's just, re it's just, yeah, really weird and shows how important it is to have um, all forms of representation. Yes. Um, uh, what surprises you about being in public life and, and, and political office? What have been the pluses and minuses um, for you and your family? Well, um, I, I think after being in politics for so long, and I, of course, we go through ups and downs, and that's the reality of democracy. You have elections and they are there are successes and there are failures. And I think what's important is to always learn from those defeats and the failures to understand how you can improve yourself and connect better uh, with the people that you seek to represent or with the people that you seek to serve. And so I, I think um, in, the, in the beginning, we're, we're never you know, setting out to prepare ourselves for failure. But I have learned over the course of time that uh, we do have to deal with frustrations. We do have to deal with defeats. Um, but uh, the goal in life is to make those the opportunities for strengthening ourselves and for making us even stronger, uh, for confronting uh, even more challenges in life. And um, in public life, in political office, you know, the realities of democracy is that there will be daily challenges. And I think one thing that has changed over time is the um, change in the type of uh, media and public communication. Um, you know, 20 years ago or even 30 years ago in my society in Taiwan, media was still a government monopoly 30 years ago. But uh, as we gradually liberalized, there were different voices represented. But now media is actually a citizen's uh, participation project. Mm. And um, while 20 years ago you had you know, a, a day to respond to a news cycle um, before the, the, the newspaper print went out to print for the next day, um, Today, you have to respond immediately to yeah. uh, crises, situations, and very often your time for serious or sophisticated analysis of the situation uh, isn't adequate um, when you are compelled to respond immediately to a situation. And um, so we, we are confronting a very different way of public communication when um, Dialogue might be much more abrupt, shorter, and rapid. Um, and the downside of that is that um, we, I, I think we lack the, the ability to be much more comprehensive, analytical, and assessing 
um, mm -hmm. all of the mm -hmm. factors involved and um, you know the pace of politics the pace of public communication has just um, become so rapid that mm -hmm. we kind of lose sight of the deeper um, analysis and the need for um, in-depth um, thinking on 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 our on the perspectives that we present mm -hmm. um, so so that is a, a challenge and I think we have to constantly find a balance in that I completely agree. We at Glitch champion digital citizenship and it's about understanding that the same way we have rights and responsibilities with human rights offline, so mm -hmm. school, um, uh, free from harassment, intimidation, it, it also applies online and, and that digital rights in itself mm -hmm. yeah. um, requires responsibility. And it feels like we've um, accelerated the digital rights aspect of it, but not had a conversation about what our responsibilities are when we are on those online spaces. Mm -hmm. So yes, it's great that it allows for greater participation. It, it, it's, it's great that it allows us to connect and yes. build ideas. But what about the what about making sure, as you said, it's, mm -hmm. it's quality ideas, it's in-depthness, that it's not sensationalized, it's not rapid, for, rapid response, and also that we allow people to change their minds. I think the way that certain social mm -hmm. media uh, platforms are set up it's so combative yeah. and that you have to have an opinion straight away like you said straight away you have to have an opinion and you have to stick to it because your digital footprint doesn't allow us to uh to change our minds and for there to be mm -hmm. ebbs and flows and refinement and i think that is in conflict with democracy because democracy is always about changing of ideas progression debate voting mm -hmm. and convincing and i don't know how much social media adds to that point and I think yeah. it alarms me because we're going to have ma massive conversations about the world and about our respective countries mm -hmm. happening online because lockdown is seen to continue. Mm -hmm. So we're going to be having conversations about lockdown measures and about as life, mm -hmm. life has to go on. So civil liberties need to be discussed and uh, health policies need to be um, need to be um uh, developed how yeah. do we have those really important conversations online when we haven't set up the framework do you have any ideas around how we could do that well it's it's complicated and uh, again the world is changing so rapidly that we are dealing with multiple complexities at the same time and i want to add some dimensions of the new challenges in terms of the online space and that is the lack of uh, privacy mm. and um you know especially for those in public life um you you know with with you know multiple opportunities for um photos and posts uh, to be shared in the public space um i think politicians or other public figures uh, who had um previously the room to balance a public life and a private life or even family life um, are actually losing that space. And um, everything has become public. You know, that is one challenge, of course, for anyone who wants to be involved in public life will have to confront. Um, another aspect is the fact that a lot of the online discussion uh, comes from an anonymous sources. And uh, when you want to have a real responsible discussion, uh, you tend to want to know um, where people are coming from, uh -huh. uh, what are their aspirations and what do they represent. But when you are having conversations with anonymous um, trolls or 
um, you know, individuals in multiple identities. I think that also complicates the quality of the uh, public discourse and the quality of political responses. I can yeah, completely, completely, completely agree. Mm. And do you think there's a gendered element to that as well? Do you think that it's harder for women in politics and public life to have privacy, or do you? And do you feel like that then extends to their family and their loved ones? Mm -hmm. um, you know, the privacy challenges. It's not a gender specific issue. However, I do think uh, there is uh, there tends to be more of a focus on the private. Um, life of women political leaders. And as I said in the beginning, in, in my own coming of age involvement in politics, I think uh, there tends to be a, a greater emphasis on those aspects, while women do have to work harder to rebalance the public attention on the um, public issues uh, that really matter. Absolutely, one hundred. Yeah, completely agree. Yeah. Um, time has time has flown. It's been such yeah. a good conversation. I have one last mm -hmm. question, if you don't mind. Sure. Has the COVID nineteen crisis influenced or changed your political viewpoints at all? Um. Well, you know, Taiwan is in a unique situation in the COVID crisis because we had a head start. And we have managed the COVID crisis uh, relatively better than uh, some other countries. Um, to date, uh, we have just over 500 confirmed cases and seven deaths. Of course, that is a tragedy in itself, but uh, relative to many other countries, um, I think the people of Taiwan have managed it in a um, fairly uh, successful way. And um, we're, we're quite proud of that fact, but the, I, I think my own perspective and conclusion on that is that in every significant challenge that we face, you do require public-private partnerships, you do require a good public communication strategy, and you do require transparency. I think that is a lesson that we have learned uh, throughout the pandemic crisis. And um, the fact that some countries still lack democracy and um, transparency and accountability is actually a humanitarian crisis. You know, some people tend to say, well, this is a space of uh, internal politics of one country or another and that others should not have a say in it. But the reality is that as humanity, um, you cannot put borders around a virus. Uh, you cannot put restrictions uh, over a humanitarian crisis. Um, these are issues that we as human beings have to work on together. And so uh, inclusiveness and broader participation, the need for good public communication and transparency um, have been highlighted throughout this crisis as absolute necessities. And, and I think that's a lesson for us, but it's also a lesson to the world on the importance of democracy and transparency. Completely agree. Thank you so much for your perspective on that and 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 the, the honesty around public public conversation and dialogue needs to be better and and mm -hmm. needs to be honest and I think and, and how we update people so being honest that we don't have all the answers because no one knows 
what this COVID visa mm-hmm. looks like. But let's, uh, but we make a promise to continue update you or take you to this journey, and then from there's another touching point. I think mm-hmm. that strategization around um, governments not. Infant, not treating the public and democracy as 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 children, but as mm-hmm. as adults, and with that respect, I think is, yes. is is completely true. Yes, you're absolutely right. Thank you so much for your time, Ambassador. I've thoroughly enjoyed meeting you and learning so much about your journey. It's been hugely inspirational mm-hmm. to me. Do you have any final words or reflections you'd love to share before we have to sadly end this podcast? Well, I, I want to thank you for um, taking time to engage in this conversation with me. I think um, a lot of women have personal stories, but we also have public stories. And um, overcoming hardship is something that almost every woman uh, has in common. And um, by sharing our experiences and best practices, I think it helps to inspire more women, just like I have been inspired by some uh, great women pioneers and fighters uh, on the journey of democracy and equal rights. And so um, I want to thank you for this opportunity. And I certainly hope that we can engage with more women uh, on the course of discussing uh, issues relevant to equal rights in the future. Thank you so much. It's been an absolute pleasure. Take care. Thank you. Bye-bye. Thank you for tuning in to this episode of the Changing the Face of Politics podcast series. To learn more about the series and NDI's initiative, please go to NDI's website at ndi.org.